Welcome to the second podcast. Long is the way and hard that out of hell leads up to light. I hope you enjoyed learning about why I am doing a podcast from episode one in order to address the things in our society that I think we need to address, as well as to discuss what a good person is and how to live a good life. We must first cover the nature of good. Unfortunately, I feel it is important to preface that discussion with a short detour into epistemology. Those of you who know me may find this moment to be a laughing one, as the topic of epistemology is as foreign to the idea of a short conversation as a North Carolina citizen is to the idea of unsweet tea. No one I know has yet to speak up and ask for more groundwork to be laid in an epistemic fashion so that our conversation about some topic could progress. That is to say, it is often viewed as a given, the epistemologies one carries, as opposed to something that needs to be discussed. For me, however, the tedium of the discussion is something awe-inspiring. I do not know if I'm some kind of masochist or just mentally defunct in some way, but understanding the foundations of knowledge is a real passion. I've been considering a degree in philosophy just to study it more. Those of you who have a firm understanding of epistemology may not need this, so perhaps spend this time critiquing my approach to teaching it. Let us begin. To say that we know something is to say what exactly? Knowledge is actually strange, and in my mind, speaks to an issue with language itself and expressing philosophical concepts. A shorthand for knowledge can be something like, I really believe this is true or factual. So we could replace the word no with strongly believed to be factually correct. In a conversation, then, one may say, I know there is a spider in the house. Or equally, I strongly believe that there is a spider in the house, both of which result in you burning the house down. Some of you can see that there is an issue here, because you'd like to say that if you know something, then what you have is stronger than a simple belief. As I mentioned in the previous podcast, I don't mean to be cryptic, I do mean a very explicit sense of the word simple and of the word belief. Continuing, you have evidence for it, or you have some experience that fully convinced you, and so on. This bit, this having an extra belief or reason to believe something, elevates the word knowledge above belief for many people. Sometimes it's actually the case that we align our beliefs with justifications to reality. In this circumstance, one might say that they have a justified true belief. How odd that is, though, to say. Something is true while asserting it is true? It's an odd thing. In my mind, here's where we start to diverge from some standards of knowledge and get into sort of an amateur philosophy. The famous example is as follows. A queen who was emotionally attached to the thought that she helped her subjects prosper decided to tour the towns in her kingdom. The villagers loved the queen and didn't want her to seem 
brokenhearted at the sight of a particular village that was mostly destitute. In an attempt to make the queen happy, fake buildings were built, where only one face of the buildings were constructed and placed along the path that the queen would take when passing through the village. As the queen rides through the village, she is told the village is prosperous and adores her help, meaning the villagers adore what she has done for them. We know that this is not true. You and I, who could take the perspective of the villagers, would understand that it is not correct to say the village is prosperous. However, the queen sees these marvelous new structures that hide the old ones and sees happiness on the villagers' faces because they care about her. So she has justification to believe the lie that she is told that the village is prosperous. Once the queen has arrived home, she believes that the village is prosperous. She may say to the king that that particular village is prosperous, that she knows it to be true. She went and saw it with her own eyes. Now, it could be the case that this aligns with reality after the fact. Perhaps her visit to the village and the construction projects that started caused some sort of ripple effect. So, though what she observed justified her belief, by the time she arrived home, it was also a belief that happened to be true because her visiting the town inspired the people to do things that helped prevent them from being destitute. An odd example, but one that we can play around with. The example scenario is a great one to discuss overall because bending the facts allows us to see how we really respond and tells us what the word knowledge means to us. Without getting bogged down too much in this particular example, though, know that there are reasonable objections to justified true belief, referred to from here on out as the JTB model, and, may, and many have tried to argue for additional requirements to say that something is knowledge. So, kind of summarizing that scenario, what we have is the ability to kind of discuss knowledge as something that could be partially a belief that's supported by some sort of justification, be it evidence or reason, and something that aligns with reality, so that that would make it factual. The arguments here are that that's not enough, or that isn't actually encompassing the definition of knowledge. More things to consider on this topic would include skepticism, virtue epistemology, and the question about how intuition and context change the role and meaning of the word knowledge, which again strikes at my original statement that I think there's a flaw in the notion of the word knowledge. I think linguistically there is a problem with saying that we know something. Contextually, it works. We can move forward in a conversation. But if someone says, I know this to be true, and it is the crux of an argument, we must really understand what that knowledge is. What do they have that they claim as knowledge? Okay, take a break. Some of you may be thinking this is the craziest stuff in the world because you've never heard of epistemology, and the rest of you would be thinking that, basically the same thing, this is the craziest stuff you've ever heard because it's the worst explanation of epistemology you've ever heard. Epistemology is simply 
the study of knowledge. How do we come to say we know something? How do we say this information is correct? This information is true. It's factual. Maybe the bigger question here is why does it matter to me? The crux of why you should have an understanding of epistemology is that it's possible you don't actually know anything. I've fallen victim to the reasoning of the skeptics and may be in their camp. Though, it would be worth saying that if we dodge some of the linguistic faults with knowledge, I think I have three separate stances that kind of put me in the skeptic camp. Number one, most of what we claim as knowledge, strictly speaking, is approximate or conditional knowledge, but it is functional and useful. Number two, real knowledge may exist, but we have no way to identify it. And number three, I think that a meta approach to the nature of knowledge is lacking and results in only analyzing axioms. So I'm going to take a short little stint here to discuss kind of the meta problems that I'm facing while doing this podcast and address the content of the podcast as well. What I've been doing in the past has been writing up scripts effectively showing what my thoughts are kind of speaking out loud, but through my writing and then reading that. I know this is the second episode for those of you listening, but this is probably the 14th that I've recorded. One of the things that I think I would like to do in this podcast is to go off script and talk a little bit about my thoughts on some of these things as it comes to me. It's a more natural flow for me that way. If you don't like how scatterbrained I am in some of this, let me know so that I can stick to the script. Returning back to the main body of the podcast. To dive back into this sort of skepticism, <clears throat> those of you who are familiar with the concept of solipsism know that we face a problem that maybe is not solvable, but you should also recognize that it's somewhat of a meaningless task. I don't mean to say that it's not a worthwhile endeavor to try to understand philosophical concepts or try to escape philosophical traps, because we learn deep things about the universe from that, about our lives and ourselves. But to deal with an everyday issue through the lens of a solipsistic skeptic or solipsistic mind is a little bit redundant. I don't know for sure that solipsism is wrong. Those of you that don't know what solipsism is, it's this idea that the reality we experience could be a false reality. It could be a brain hooked up to a super complex artificial intelligence simulation driven computer where everything that you've perceived in your life is just some sort of computer program that's just plugged into your eye sockets and uh, you know, running signals into your brain where your ears would be connected, so to speak. I don't think that matters. 
but it does present a problem because I don't think anyone can make real claims about knowledge. I think there may be a few things that we can discover, but for the most part, we've all pretty much agreed on a set of things to be right, and there's no justification for those things. So, you know, go back to like Euclid's lemma, you know, foundations of mathematics. If A equals B, B equals C, then A equals C, right? So if we, if we all agree that that is at face value, something we all agree to be true, and we work from a couple of statements just like that, just so painfully obvious that everyone agrees on it. And we get to this point where we, we have this large body of math built up, a large body of science. And it gives rise to, you know, our ability to discuss philosophy, metaphysics. I don't think it matters if we try to go back and justify those axioms if we've all agreed to them to start with. Because right now we're doing what we can do best, what is the most functional thing that we can do. And if we are ever able to show that one of those axioms is incorrect... I think a lot of mathematicians have played with different rules, you know, things in set theory that allow us to kind of easily switch over to different systems of logic. So from here on out, when I say that I know something, what I mean is that I really believe it to be true and I have both reason and evidence for it. I will do my best to specify if I mean something else. So on the podcast, if I say, I know this, I'm speaking from an epistemic foundation where we have a set of axioms that I'm just buying into, no justification there. I just, face value seems right to me. Build all of philosophy and all of mathematics and science and everything out of that, all of our languages. And I say, I'm trusting that pathway of information. This is what I perceive. This seems reasonable. I have this evidence for it. It's so obvious to me or so normal in my perception that I will claim it to be true. It, this, this is essential because the purpose of this journey is to gain knowledge, right? So knowledge can be used by a good person. Knowledge can be gained to help us be good people. It's not a fleeting, trivial task to know something, and more importantly, to use knowledge consistently for good. I frequently spend time thinking about how much my wife must love me, because so often she will ask me questions like, is the trash can full? I'll sit for a period of time thinking on it and respond, I don't know. Those of you who understand this situation, hopefully are chuckling at this. Her patience is noted in this podcast. Hers, because my kids do not have a choice but to bear the suffering of epistemology because their legs are too short to run away. They'll ask me questions like, Dad, do you know why I did that? I will, of course, respond with no, dear, and neither do you. Or, Dad, why is there a bug in my cup of water to be met with? Dear, why wouldn't there be a bug in there? What is even the nature of water? Are you sure 
that bugs don't belong in your cup. How do you know that the cup is meant for water? To which the kids usually reply, where's mom? But this is a journey. A journey through language and philosophy and history, through morals, metaphysics, through reality and physics, ultimately landing on some sort of series of ethical statements. We shouldn't rush the journey. We should tread cautiously. A walk through the minefield of thought in the public eye is dangerous and even deadly. Walk with me on this journey, though. Walk with me in hell.